0: Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM 820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by Father Leo Camerati, who resides at our Dominican community in Pleasantville, New York, at Holy Innocence. Let's begin with a prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mother Mother of God, pray for for us sinners, sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Today we're going to speak about Catholic education, especially in a Catholic high school. Father Leo, who's with us today, is uh, a teacher at Montfort Academy, which is a classical education um, Catholic school in Westchester New York. Uh, he's just finished his, his first year of teaching as, uh, as a high school teacher and as a priest. So Father Leo, what, what's been surprising to you in your first year of, of teaching high school? Thank you, Father Stephen. It's good to join you. When
1: you get into the classroom and you have your plans marshaled, and they don't last to the second week, you learn the <laughs> adage. You learn the adage that few plans survive contact with reality.
0: It's, <laughs> Not contact with the enemy. You mean? <laughs> well, hey,
1: sometimes it's adversarial, but even even when they're on your side, you have to be ready to adjust. And right. again, I've been a priest for five years, and so. In the confessional, you, I've had to give that advice to parents or grandparents or others. But when you have to take it yourself, it's rather humbling. <laughs> it's rather humbling to see that most teachers are the people who liked school, right? I mm-hmm. mean, if you didn't like school, why are you a teacher? So, <laughs> but for whatever reason, you're back in the ring, probably because you liked it yourself and you tracked it, and you realize how much of your job is directed toward those who might be going at a different pace or have different priorities than you mm-hmm. had. And right. so it's been very interesting in this first year to, to see both the expectations and the reality of what the job, what the vocation demands. Mm-hmm. Um, to actually get to your question, mm-hmm. the, the primary thing I'd say about what's been surprising is that you think as a student that the teacher sets the pace and sets the tone. And that's certainly true. That's certainly true. You, you can't let an adult get off the hook for not being professional or not being prepared. On the other hand, it's interesting how much of the rhythm of the class and, and the scope of the class is dictated by the inclination and interest of the students. Mm-hmm. You come in the first week and you think, well... We'll go over this, this, and this. And by the time you get to item two, you realize you have to backtrack and reinforce item one. Mm-hmm. And and you have to be ready in humility to adjust to what they need you to be. Mm-hmm. Which has its challenges, but I think at the end of the day, it's it's a richer story than what you could have cobbled together yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that you found they needed more background on that that you didn't realize? So... So just to clarify,
1: I'm, I'm the chaplain at this Catholic high school. I teach math and physics. I help out a bit with the history program as well. And so I went through high school with a pretty good command of the mathematics and of the physics. I ended up going for an undergraduate in engineering. So I was used to being told these things and being able to spit them back out. And mm. for some people in life, it, it's not there. Mm-hmm. I remember I was talking to one of our friars. He's about six, 55 years ordained now, Father Matthew Richkowski. He's in Washington. Right. He was the, our librarian at the House of Studies for years. And so I was just getting started in priestly ministry. He had just celebrated his 50th anniversary. This was about five years ago. And so I said to him, do you have any advice for me? And he said, two pieces of advice. One, people will say plenty of things to you. They don't always mean them. Okay, that was point number one. He, he <laughs> went on at length, but I, I'm simplifying it for, for the mercy of you all out there having to listen to me. Uh, but the second was, what's your second piece of advice, Father Matthew? And he said, people don't write as well as you think. <laughs> you live in a world as a Dominican where you're used to speaking cogently and writing and, and you're engaged in academic pursuits. And when you get out there, you realize how your inclinations and, and priorities drop off rather quick the wider population Mm -hmm. and if he says it for reading I can certainly say it for math Mm -hmm. Uh, going to engineering school or or going through a high school that focused on physics and 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 the sciences I was used to people just being able to kind of track things Mm -hmm. but then all those people that you meet over the years who say oh physics that must be so hard those are the people you're teaching
0: (laughs) those are the people (laughs) you're
1: tracking with and so being able to communicate it in a way that keeps up with them instead of just having them keep up with you. That's the intricacy of the dance of it. And then, mm. so that's been interesting, is trying to challenge them to the point where they grow, but also not crushing them with a pace that they're not inclined to follow.
0: Mm. So what, what have been their reactions to actually having a priest be their teacher as opposed to a, a layperson? I think that's been
1: interesting. Uh, I mean, Father Stephen, I'm sure you can vouch for this too. One of, one of the various perks of being a priest is with such a defined role, one that you no doubt respect, we no doubt respect and keep to, you're also able to kind of stop, step out of it for a moment and, and give a, a sharp line here or there at mm-hmm. times. And and a line that would be anodyne or, or unremarkable for anyone else stands out when you're a priest. If you're mm-hmm. a priest who cracks a sarcastic line here or there, it, in a sense, people perk up, they listen, mm-hmm. they engage mm-hmm. a bit more because they're not expecting you to have a sense of humor. Um, but at the end of the day, you either laugh or cry. So you might as well, you might as well have it on your palate, right? Right. So they're they're ready and responsive to the the idea, or well, they're not ready, which makes them responsive to the idea when you crack a joke, mm-hmm. uh, especially a corny joke. But again, I know dad jokes are not exactly in vogue. But if you're going to call me father, I have the right to say <laughs> dad jokes here or there. Right. And at the end of the day, you find whatever you can to keep them interested and engaged. So again, being a priest, you have this defined role. They're meeting with you in the confessional. They're meeting with you uh, to consult on this issue or that. They're hearing you from the pulpit. And so then when you go into a classroom and it's it's a completely different subject, I love the witness it it gives to be able to say, look, normally I'm a priest who happens to be a physics teacher, but for this 40 minutes... I'm a physics teacher who happens to be a priest. Mm. And God willing that's not done with any attention to my vocation, I don't think it is, but God willing they see that there's there's this richer world where a priest isn't just a functionary who just shows up for these three moments of your life, but rather he and and by extension any of us are capable of of engaging with matters and 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 issues that you might not expect. Right. And that's a, I think a mark of education right is you don't just hone in on on the three things you're able to do. You're able to engage with the wider world and and keep up with it on some level. And so being a priest who can witness to that is interesting, right? Mm -hmm. There was a theology teacher who would say, well if you write Jesus down for any answer on the quiz, you get at least partial credit because Jesus is always the answer. <laughs> and some tried to use that with me, and I said, well, that's all well and good in certain classes, but here in physics, that's a out. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and God willing, I, I love the good Lord. I try, I try to follow him closely, but I, I, I can't just appeal to him to, to do the work that I wasn't able to do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Wow! Did, in in your own background, did you go to Catholic schools growing up?
1: No, actually, I I was a public school boy the whole way through K through twelve. My grandmother taught at St Leo's Catholic School in Corona, Queens for forty years. It's part of the reason I took the name Leo in religion, but. I honestly, I I thought about going to a a Catholic high school, but ultimately I stayed public school the whole way. Mm, Okay. And so it's interesting going to an environment that's a bit different from what I'm used to. I love the order. I love the uniforms. I love the sense of esprit de corps that you get in a Catholic school. I was involved very deeply in scouting, so I think there's some overlap with that of Mm -hmm. common values and and, and of um, finding individuality as you conform to a bigger program, Mm -hmm. but... Yeah, honestly, it's it's kind of new to me.
0: Yeah, I went to public schools as well before college, so so yeah, I I, I, uh, I certainly saw that. Um, but um, so and so the, the academy that you're teaching at it's it's it has a classical education model. Maybe talk a little bit about that, how that makes it different from a typical high school. Wonderful, wonderfully,
1: yeah. It's 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 really a, a special place. The Montfort Academy was founded twenty years ago, basically to the day. It's been the only Catholic high school founded in the Archdiocese of New York basically in 60 years other than Christo Rey schools, which are mm-hmm. vocational and targeted for a, a particular role. And when, when we talk about classical, it means that all the kids take Latin. It means that for the first year. Mm-hmm. A- after that, you can spare them a bit. But they get, they get the basics of, of the grammar and engage with, with the language on a real level. And then a good number of them go on to to deepen their love of that, and, and a number of them even go into Greek. So, um, so that's the first mark of it, right, is that you have this access to classical languages. Secondly, they learn the trivium. The trivium is an Im- intimidating word, but basically what it means is they learn grammar, rhetoric, and logic. And the idea being that, when you engage with those three subjects, you're able to be more productive while reading literature, while pursuing philosophical argument, while engaging with the issues of the day, being able to understand what's a red herring and and, and what's a a cogently phrased argument. So they they go through the trivium. Each course is given freshman, sophomore, junior year. So they go through grammar, freshman year, uh, logic, sophomore year, rhetoric, junior year. And they go through They have the opportunity to go through the ancient languages as deeply as they like. And then beyond that, it's just the worldview of the teachers who have a remarkably coherent and cohesive sense of their Catholic faith and of of what matters with regard to our wider tradition.
0: You're listening to The Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today, I'm joined in the studio by Father Leo Camerati. Um, who is uh, teaching at the Montfort Academy in Westchester, New York. We've been discussing uh, education, especially Catholic high school education, and and how that uh, looks from the perspective of a priest who's teaching it, and how that looks from the perspective of the students who are receiving that education. Uh, I know one one mark of Catholic education, or one goal of Catholic education, is to not just educate the mind, but to sort of educate the whole person, to help the whole person uh, come to know um, not just information, but uh, but in a sense the art of living. I mean, do you see that at your high school?
1: I I do. It's I'm deeply touched by it because when you see the, the teachers, many of whom make sacrifices that defy description, putting their hearts and souls into this, they give their students a sense of, of what more there is to life because there's a difference, right? To between learning about God and coming to know God, hmm, right? right? One, one is the mark of, of a stalker, right? You can come to know things about a person, you know, by rummaging through his trash, but hopefully the cops come before you get too deep and actually coming to know a person, to engage with a person, to be able to track and, 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 and identify with and engage on a, on a deeper, more intimate level that would be proper at, in friendship. And that's what God does with us, right? He offers us in Jesus Christ the prospect of his friendship and doesn't just give us facts about himself, like sending a world almanac down from heaven. That's not what the Bible is. It's, it's an ongoing conversation between God and man that culminates in, in him walking among us. And so in Catholic education, what I've seen is that it's really about discipleship, the teachers themselves are disciples, and, and in turn, we invite the students to that level of engagement. This past year in the school, we had two get baptized, one co- convert to the faith from Protestantism, and, and four get their confirmation after having lapsed. Okay, and so it's it's exciting to see how even while you're trying to teach them physics or math or history, and you wonder how much they learn, you realize that some of the still deeper questions of, of what it means to be Catholic and what it means to live one's faith, those things remain perennial concerns. You might say, well, what's with the kids today and their phones and this and that? And look, I'll, I'll, I'll join you in the complaining if you want. You call me up, we can complain about it anytime, though I'll be in New York, so maybe I'll be spared <laughs> this invitation. But just to say, I, I do think even as we might struggle to reach the next generation, their concerns remain our concerns, right? What does it mean to love? What does it mean to have a good friend? What does it mean to live life well? These things will always be the question, even if, if, even if we don't rise to the level of providing the answers or, or, or following the answers we've been given, those remain the questions. And I'm happy to see that for all the problems they might have with technology and everything else, those questions remain pertinent to them, and they're happy to hear what we have to say on some level.
0: Hmm. Now, you're also, you said, you're also kind of the chaplain for the high school as well. So I am. So how does that, what, what, what do you do in your chaplain role? So it's a,
1: a rather small school of about 175 students. And so the chaplain role is not a full-time job by any stretch. Mm-hmm. We have mass once a week. We have holy hour every other week. We have confessions available twice a week and by appointment. And so... Obviously, I'm offering the chance for them to receive the sacraments, granted, but I love to, in in the midst of that, in whether it be in my preaching, which is on the recurring basis each week at Mass, or whether it be in, in dealing with them in the confessional of being able to delineate, look... There are the things I care about as a teacher outside this room. There are the things I care about as a confessor inside this room. And even laying out for them the rules of engagement and anonymity and the things that limit me with the seal of the confessional for them, I find so important, Mm -hmm. is being able to let them know that this is a space where they can unburden themselves and understand that this stays here. This Mm -hmm. doesn't touch on any other aspect of the life of the school. And so as a chaplain, being able to delineate for them and give them the sense of how there are various hats I wear, as As a confessor, as a teacher, as a chaplain, as a preacher, and that they by extension, play different roles at different points of the day and giving them the sense of the contours and and the meaning of what that means and the implication of what that means, and all the safeguards that are built in for the sake of their souls and my soul and the, the life of the church it's It's great to be able to give that greater lesson of of, mm. of what else is is there um Especially when it's about their rights and 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 their yeah well, the their benefit, which which all of this is framed toward, hmm. sometimes in in education right, we have to talk about what gets you a detention or what gets you an f or what gets you uh, a demerit here or there. But there are these ways where you're able to say, well look this these are your canonical rights Th- this is you know this is something that is meant to stay here. Uh, and and if you ever had any implication otherwise, you you should be comfortable to say that that you feel that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, letting them know that and giving them the sense of their ownership of their Catholic faith, it, it's a beautiful thing.
0: Mm. Yeah, I know. I, I was uh, I was never a high school teacher, but I was in campus ministry at two different universities, and and uh, I, I found that it takes time sometimes for students to really. In a sense, reach out to the priest. You know, for many of them, a priest is not someone they're used to talking to. Sure. They might see him at mass if they go to mass. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, they might have said hi after mass. But I realized it was important for me just to be there at some of the events. You know, because often I just found that students were, even college students, very unlikely to just make an appointment. Oh, I need. To, I have this issue. I want to talk to Father about. Let's let's call and see what Tuesday afternoon looks like. No, never, never happens. But if you happen to be there during a dinner, you know with the other students or something, oh father, by the way, you know like uh my brother was having this crisis, and what you know what what do you think about what could i what could I say to him or something like that i just have you found that like just trying to is 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 there sort of like a um is it is it difficult for students to sort of like reach out to you as the chaplain sure, I think that
1: your your experience, which is of course. Deeper than mine, but my, my my experience bears out what you've been saying. Basically, that that old Woody Allen line, right? That ninety percent of life is showing up. Mm-hmm. That that it's right. about being available in in the ways that they might be expecting, and it might it might just be pleasantries or or just simply a, a stoic presence here or there, or being able to crack a joke here or there. But then mm-hmm. there comes that day where there's a real connection, a real. Mm-hmm sense of of engagement on on a matter that yeah brings them through in tears or 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 apprehensions so yeah it, it is interesting how you have to you can 't force those occasions, but you have to try to provide them where you can and be ready to be surprised at when they pop up mm-hmm. i i'd say too uh, again this is my experience in the scouts you know we 'd have our formal business meetings and then We'd go out to the diner afterward, and we'd talk about what we talked about at the business meeting. And that's where the real business got done. Mm You had the official meeting where everything got voted on. But at the end of the day, you lay the groundwork for the next meeting over a burger and a milkshake. Mm -hmm. And that's where the real work gets done. And so I'm amazed sometimes there's what you teach formally in the classroom. But then there's the errant question about, oh, hey, Father, what do you think of this? Or what do you think of that? Or we heard Mm -hmm. in this class that this is the case. What, What would you say about that? Sometimes they're just looking to study for their test, and they figure you might help them. But whatever it is, as long as yeah. they're engaging with things, it's it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to go deeper with them on, on what might be worth them considering.
0: Right. Yeah, I know in this diocese, in the Columbus Diocese, um, I know Bishop Fernandez and also Bishop Brennan before him have been very interested in trying to have Priests more present, especially in the Catholic high schools, to be there, and, and to some extent even the elementary schools to visit them, just to be there for the students. Um, when I was in my last assignment, I was the chaplain for a K through eight Catholic school, a regional Catholic school, and, and over time you do start to get to know not only the I found the students who start to ask you things. Now those are a lot younger, but even some of the staff. You know, I, I found that too because a lot of times. The teachers or the staff or the administrators have questions that, that the, the priest can help with. Have you seen that at, in your oh, experience? Oh,
1: sure. So, it, again, it's a smaller school. And so one of the things I thought would be a challenge going in is we don't have our own offices. We share a common room. Mm-hmm. But it's actually been one of the biggest joys of the work is after you're done doing your lion taming in the classroom or <laughs> or out in the halls. You can come back in with your peers and talk through, hey, I tried this. It didn't work. What do you think? And that doesn't only extend to the Ps and Qs of being an educator. It extends to the contours of our Catholic faith. There have been more than a few debates that just kind of crop up in the faculty room mm-hmm. or, or questions that that they plumb into more deeply. And being able to accompany them and yeah, I sometimes provide my own two cents plenty of times. I'm Italian, that happens. <laughs> it has been a real joy. I've been able to do a baptism for a, a staff member. I've been able to cover a funeral for a, a co-worker's grandmother. Uh, I've been able to help a marriage case with with another co-worker. And, and so it's interesting how even just kind of being there, you're able to provide a bit of guidance on so many aspects of life that you never would have inserted yourself into but here we are here we are and that's the beautiful part of it
0: wow well just with the remaining time we have today i know what what are some things you've seen that students are really hungry for especially things you recognize kind of in this generation that might be different from your experience growing up oh sure
1: oh sure that's been a very humbling thing is you go in i'm 36 years old and so you go and you think i'm a young person they're young people. But you realize, yeah, you might be young compared to a 70-year-old, but you are not young compared to a 15-year-old. And half your cultural references are, are not understood. Even something like the Rolling Stones, I'm lucky if half of them understand that. And so you understand quite quickly the, the distinction and the gap between you and them. And again, I'm, I'm coming to the point where I thought I was a young person and I've always wanted to not be a young person so maybe I'm just getting my wish here. Uh, <laughs> so I'll count it good. So number one, you, you have to realize right that while there are the perennial issues that are of, ish, of interest to everyone, there's also the ways where they just look at things differently than you do. They, mm-hmm. They've had a different background. Their sense of, of American history or world history or their personal history omits whole sections that, that you were around for. And vice versa, things that you found more incidental were more foundational or immediate for them. Hmm. And so that's one point. Secondly, on that point, it's interesting how, again, we live in this age of the culture wars and flashpoints and this and that. And what I find interesting is that at the end of the day, the human heart and and every human life enters this world the same way, right? We all enter... Hmm. um, And we come to learn things from our environment and from our culture and everything. And so there's an openness that they have in a way where I think people my age might laugh off this moral issue or that. I think there's an openness they have that I wonder if we would have had 20 years ago when we say things like, hey, you might be spending too much time on your phone. I think people 20 years ago when we were told we were spending too much time on the Internet, we would have gone, okay, but I mean, come on, really? Is this really Mm -hmm. the biggest problem? I think these kids understand in a way that we didn't, and maybe it's just a sign of the greater problem they have or the greater challenges they face, but I think they understand and are more responsive to some of the challenges. Because the human heart is what it is and human nature doesn't change fundamentally, I think they've come to realize in ways that maybe even their parents haven't, that there are things in their life that aren't as they should be. And isn't Mm -hmm. that at the end of the day what the gospel is, is repent, because what you've settled for up to now hasn't satisfied you. Mm. And so that's been interesting. At a time when religiosity is on the decline and church affiliation is is not exactly a growth prospect, especially in the Northeast, it's refreshing to see that the human heart wants what it wants. And sometimes that tends towards sin. But often enough, it tends toward virtue. Mm. And to be able to be there and midwife it or provide the occasion for for them to come to a realization of it. And to see their openness in ways that you yourself would not have been open. Mm. Again, we have to be ready to see that, right? We have to be ready to see the ways where they're missing what we had in the good old days. But there's also the ways where the good old days weren't actually as good as we remember. Mm-hmm. And and the challenges that we 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 ignored then, well... Some of them, they're, they're coming face-to-face with now, and they might be rising more to it than we give them credit for.
0: Wow, that's great. Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimensions. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I've been joined in the studio by Father Leo Camerati. Let's end with prayer, invoking the intercession of our holy founder, St. Dominic. O light of the church, teacher, teacher of, of truth... truth. Rose of patience, ivory of chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom. Preacher of grace, unite us with the blessed. Amen. Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. i no.